Welcome back, everyone, to S1E1, the show where each week we watch the very first televised episode of a different sitcom and then rate it on that episode alone, ignoring any knowledge we have of any future episodes. This week we'll be talking about The Good Place. The Good Place ran 50 episodes over four seasons on NBC. We're going to be talking about just the first episode today, which was called Pilot. Pilot aired September 19, 2016. So, I'm Jay Gags. With me, as always, the guys, Gordo, Ferg, Nick, and Joe. What's going on, guys? Bull Hello. shirt. Chidi Anaconda. <laughs> Anaconda. Anaconda. Uh, so, uh, to start off, who has seen The Good Place up until now? Is anyone seeing it for the first time? I've seen it in full. Me Gordo too. for the first time? Yes. Surprise. You Gordo watch usually? television? <laughs> like, what do you do? <laughs> oh, not really. Come home and stare at the wall. When you agreed to do this show, what was the mindset? Like, this would be a fun way to experience television? I actually thought this was going to be a wrestling podcast at first. I think I think that's what we thought it would be at first. But, and uh, then I already said yes, so. I enjoy watching these for the first time. There's a lot of shows I haven't seen, so. I'm, I'm almost a, it, jealous. It, it, it's a good thing because it, that's like a take for each week is someone some with new eyes for every episode. With the premise of the show, when we are watching shows that we have seen before and, you know, to peel back the curtain on other people, it's very difficult to talk about just that episode, your honest feelings, and forget anything you know about the future. Because sometimes we're watching shows that we love and have seen many, many times, and you have to be very honest to what you saw. And that's not always the easiest thing to do. This show is a great example of that. This is a real, real hard show to try to take your brain out of. Yeah, like legitimately. And so to get into it a little bit, uh, The Good Place was created by Michael Schur, who got his feet wet, is most known actually from his start with The Office, where he played Moe's and was an executive producer. Now, to talk about The Office for a second, that's a show we obviously would like to do. I've watched that show so many times. It is leaps and bounds my favorite show. I don't know how I'm going to be able to talk about that first episode and just ignore everything else I know. We're going to have to do it one day, so, you know, we'll get to it. Yeah, if nothing else, you got to give it to this show that Moe's is just the funniest character on TV in the past 20 years, so good for you, Michael Shore, for all you've done for us. So let's start right at the opening. So the opening was just uh, a green screen. Oh, actually, I'm sorry. Let me, let me go back. It was, that was the title screen. Let me, the actual open of the show before the, the, the title was, it uh, just starts with, uh, you see a girl's eyes open up, and uh, she, it kind of looked like she was in therapy. That was like my initial vibe, was some girl is in therapy. And she sees on the wall written, welcome, everything is fine. And then I wondered, is she in therapy or is this a cult? <laughs> uh, any thoughts? Uh, Gordo, I guess I'm going to target you first because I know you haven't seen it. So like when you saw that, did your brain go in any particular direction as to what you were about to witness? No, no. It, it kind of looked like an office-y setting, so that's kind of where I, I thought maybe she had taken a nap in her office yeah. or something of that kind of nature, but that's what I thought at first. I remember my impression of this when I first saw the episode because they advertised this show so you know what the premise is off the bat. So I figured that that's where the show was going to start was in that situation. Right. You have the benefit of going in that way. I don't even think I knew what the show was about. That right. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I really didn't know. So I was like, oh, what's the good place? And then I watched this episode. I, mean, I got the vibe right away that she was like dead or just because of the, the color palette of everything's white. Everything's. Lack of sound. You notice the complete lack of sound, other than like them speaking. Yep. Instantly, mm. and it's like it's you. It's it's hard to explain how you notice something not being there, but like 
<laughs> there's there's just no sound whatsoever. Everything's white. It's like yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to say I, I would have picked up on that right. Like I said, it definitely felt like therapy. Like she was about to walk into a therapist's office. So from that point, in what looked like this therapy session, enters Ted Danson, who plays Michael on the show, and asks her to step into the office. So what a I don't know, at this point to me, yeah, it still feels like therapy but i'm also like hey it's ted danson yeah yeah immediately you're super stoked to see ted danson he's what drew me to the show because i hadn't heard of it until like the first time i watched it i saw ted danson and i kept it on like before we get too into ted danson because i feel like she's a on the line girl how do you guys feel about kristen bell because i love her yeah i'm, I'm probably i like her, I like her a lot. I'm a yeah, yeah. like outside of the show in general just from what i've seen of her in interviews and stuff she just seems like a really cool person yeah but yeah. to that too when i first watched... unless she's sarah marshall then she's a bitch <laughs> See, I've never seen that movie. I didn't know who she was when I first saw this. I only oh, really? knew who Ted Danson was. And coming back later on, Chidi is in Midsummer, and you see people in other stuff. But I had no idea who anybody but Ted Danson was when I first yeah, saw we this. Can, we can get into Ted Danson more, but I'm sure over time we're going to cover a plethora of Ted Danson shows. She, she was on that show that made her famous. What's it called? Uh, was it Veronica Mars? Oh, yeah. yeah, that's, oh, right. yeah. that's true. Yeah, That's right. like her claim to fame. Oh, I've yeah. never seen that either. Which I, I've never seen. Me, yeah. me neither. I just I've heard it's show. really good. I know good. They, they tried to bring it back recently, and I think it failed. But I do love Ted Danson's Becker. Yeah. What no, I, yeah. Uh, what... Sorry. No. No, I love Becker. <laughs> Becker's Becker great. Was great. I don't think you could put Ted Danson in something that I would not enjoy. Like, he's just... He's immediate, like he's, he's catnappy. You're fine. You want to watch it. All right. So we'll get more into Ted Danson in a minute, but... To go back, what I liked is at this point, Eleanor walks into Michael's office. That's the girl's name. I, I know it hasn't been addressed yet, but, you know, for sake of argument, we'll talk about it. It's Eleanor. She sits down, and the first thing she does is just says, like, where am I? Like, what's going on? And that's great because we're being introduced to this world at the same time as her, and they're just going to explain the premise of the show right away. And I think that's a pretty good approach. Yeah, great plot device. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, like when you, you're, the, you're the character, right? So you're in there with them. You're experiencing it at the same time frame they are. I gotta say, that's like my least favorite thing about TV shows is when they drag their feet in the beginning. It's like you only have so much time to work with with a series like that. And if you just, if you drag it out and trying to explain to me this simple concept for an entire episode, I'm gonna be kind of pissed off. Yeah. So I love minutes or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. They get directly into it, and I love that. Like to, you know, I mentioned The Office earlier. Like The Office, just you just start in the middle of a workday and you just kind of figure out what's happening. So different things work for different shows, but I think here, where especially what we find out about the show, this is kind of a good way to just bring you in. Okay, this is what's going on. Let's accept that and move forward. And I think it really worked. I also, I felt like it was kind of like if Ted Danson was, so if this show were to have a narrator, like that's what the narrator, yeah, Yeah. that's what they would be saying is like, oh, this is Eleanor. She was killed, you know, when she did this and stuff like that. Instead, they injected it into the actors, which I like. And, And so to go back for what you just said, this is where we find out Eleanor is dead. This is the afterlife. What we know of the afterlife wasn't totally correct, like the conventional heaven and hell. I mean, we, we got 5% of it yeah, right. Yeah, everybody except for the, the, the stoner guy. Doug. Doug <laughs> we find out that we are, um, this is the afterlife, and it's the good place and the bad place. It's not heaven and hell, which they specifically say isn't heaven and hell, but the good place and the bad place pretty much sounds like heaven and hell and the way they are presented to us also come off that way anyways. So what I thought was weird was she took it really well. He's like, you're dead. And she's like, okay, cool. And the only thing that like clicked with me is maybe she took it well because she knew that there's an afterlife, right? If you find out you're going to die, the scariest part is not knowing if there's going to be more. 
And also, if well-coiffed Ted Danson in a suit tells you you're in the afterlife, <laughs> it's probably a little place. more calming. But right? she's yeah. walking right into this. She already has that comfort now, right? She opened her eyes. She's speaking to someone. She's not in pain or anything. So he's like, you're dead. This is the afterlife. And she's like, oh, there's an afterlife. Cool. All right. See, so I, I didn't take it as that. I took it as she was skeptical. Like maybe I don't know. I, I don't think she, she ever really dead. doubted it. She didn't have a lot of extra questions. She was just kind of like, you All also, right, you know, as the episode goes on, you realize that her life kind of sucked. So right. maybe well, she was like, fuck it. Who cares? Like, <laughs> that's well, just kind of yeah. her That's outlook. like exactly what happens next is she asks Michael, well, how did I die? And he lets her know, well, typically, if it's like a more embarrassing way to die, we don't tell, we erase the memory from you. So, you know, it's not something that's stuck with you in the afterlife. But since she asked, she was leaving a grocery store. And she dropped a bottle of Lonely Girl Margarita Mix for one. <laughs> and uh, when she went to pick it up, got hit by a series of runaway shopping carts, which didn't kill her, but threw her into a street where she got hit by a truck that was a billboard for uh, an ED pill called Engorgulite. And the first EMT that walked on the scene was her ex-boyfriend. <laughs> and so a terrible, terrible, embarrassing way to die. And what I loved was Ted Danson's delivery and matter of factness was golden. He just very much just was like reading it like because he's seen everything, right? He's encountered millions of people's deaths at this point, right? So there's probably nothing that could shock him. So he's just reading it very matter of fact. And I just love the way that that came off. Yeah. You have to imagine if you're the architect of the afterlife, you've seen every death ever. So this terrible Arizona, Florida death of margaritas and shopping carts doesn't seem that bad. I mean, he's probably seen a thousand people just die pooping. Like, Just being able to say, like, uh, for a pill called Engorgelite, and I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> if that's Engorgelite, does that mean that's that's the lighter version? Is there an Engorgifull? Is this, like, Maybe. a beer scenario? <laughs> what is yeah, the difference here? Is like, it calories? Really, is it... No, yeah, that's if you're, like, know. trying to go for a while. This episode's sponsored by Blue Chew. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, she took it very well, too, for somebody that died. Again, I just think it's a matter of she now has the comfort of knowing there's an afterlife. I think that's the biggest fear, is just not knowing that there is one. Well, it's easy to take it well when uh, it comes from Engorgelite. And that's when, and to go back to, like, we find out there's no heaven and hell, you know, conventionally, but there's a good place and the bad place, and she's in the good place. And additionally, like every real, and this was like a really nice, safe approach. I thought for a show was they said every religion was 5% right. So we're not going to, they're not excluding any religion, right? They're saying no matter what your belief was, what you do believe, you guys kind of have it right. This is an alternate thing that, you know, which for the show, I just thought was a really wise approach because you're not excluding anyone. Yeah. You have to be intentionally like ambiguous in that sense like, to everybody really get there. was 5% everyone was 5% you're still selling commercials you can't be like you know except for Judaism or yeah. except for Christianity you gotta really play you gotta tell the like line they a little say, bit don't, don't talk about religion or politics and they found a way around their religion part yeah it's everyone's fine. right very well right. yeah it's a good it's a yeah. well done Every, yeah everyone was 5% except Doug Forsett from Calgary <laughs> in the 70s who guessed <laughs> a whopping 92% when he was super high I just I love that average. he's I love that he's a big fan of him too. He's like yeah. I got that picture. That's how yeah, come by. Like. He shows the picture and he's like, I'm really proud of that. Because <laughs> like, it's funny when they were t when he was telling that story, 
I envisioned Ted Danson like watching him tell that story while he was still alive and being like, "Oh my god, are you guys seeing this?" Like he got it. Like he got it. <laughs> like everyone around the like the water cooler watching this stoner <laughs> yeah. with a rush mm. record on talking about It's like about they're watching a sporting event. On. They're all rooting him on. They're like, "Doug, Doug, Doug, Doug." <laughs> so there I mean and I and I I falsely uh, mentioned earlier. So now we get into the actual intro screen, right? After we find out that she is in the good place and now it cuts just a green screen, like a kind of a lime green screen which is the name of the show with some like very um, kind of calming music that goes along with it for like five seconds. And he thought of just doing that shortened intro. We've seen kind of a mix over the different episodes we've done. I feel like that's a very, uh, a learned thing of, from Michael Schur specifically because he did the office parks and rec, which all have, as far as intros go, pretty considerably long intros. Uh, Brooklyn nine, nine as well. Yeah. Right. And I feel like he was probably always arguing, oh, we need to cut a minute from this scene or we need to cut 40 seconds from this scene. And then the intro is like almost a minute long on these things. So he was like, you know what? I'm going to put everything I can into this show and have a one second intro. Because well, look at all those yeah. fan episodes of The Office they're putting up now, right? Where they cut in all the deleted scenes and bonus features. Right. Even if you got 40 seconds of some of those jokes into an original episode, I think it would have been better than seeing the same theme song over and over again. Right. Yeah, yeah true. We know what vibe I got seeing it was it kind of looked like an ad for an, like an antidepressant. That was like the the yeah. the vibe I got seeing. Yeah, that. it's kind of the music too that helps that. Yeah. Maybe a, an ED pill. Maybe that was it. Maybe that's a commercial for Engorgelite. <laughs> so uh, from that, we get to the scene where Michael takes Eleanor on like a little walk around to see what everything looks like. And we find out there's multiple neighborhoods, each containing specifically 322 people that are all hand-selected to be in a specific neighborhood catered to them. So everything has perfect balance. Every last blade of grass has been specifically placed. Everything's perfect. 323 seems like a good amount. I don't know how they came across that in the writing, but that seems like a pretty... That's not too many. It's not too little. If you're analyzing it like we are, yeah, you know, when you think about it, 322 people, that, that's a good amount of people. It's, it's like enough a, to feel neighborhoody, enough. but yeah. not to feel like you're seeing just the same five people every day. Yeah, it's kind of a nice exactly. mix. Now, what about um, the frozen yogurt thing? Because they come across that everywhere has frozen yogurt. I've never eaten frozen yogurt before. Is it good enough that you'd want it everywhere? Is that a dietary restriction, or you just never had interest in it? I just never had it. I mean, I, I used to eat ice cream, but... The thing about frozen yogurt is not the frozen yogurt. So the frozen yogurt is good enough. It's not a far leap from ice cream, uh, but it's, you can tell it's not ice cream. But... All these froyo places either allow you or allow you to put the guy or have the guy who's doing it put whatever the fuck you want on it. So you can go and put like crushed up candy bars or peanuts or anything, and then that's basically what you're eating, and that's so why numbers I froze. How many I think, pieces of Crunch Bar can I put in there? Right, and it's usually yeah. a bowl. Like it's not you don't see frozen yogurt in cones because they yeah, want you to just cone. like they they want you to shovel all this other stuff into you because that I think that's why it's popular personally. Yeah, it's like the equivalence of going to like the, those candy stores when you're on vacation where you get to fill your own bag up and then they weigh. Yep. It see, that's not how I always like, took that. Well, how I took the popularity of frozen yogurt is you have that mix but people are convinced they're eating something healthier than they are right so to yeah. people like when they're getting frozen yogurt and they're putting butterfingers and gummy bears on it they're still like but it's frozen yogurt so it's like a healthy treat like i'm just splurging a little bit by putting this crunch bar on it so it's this like mental game that people play with themselves it's also funny too because especially when you consider it that way that you think it's a healthier alternative to ice cream where these people are already dead and could be eating ice cream, so right. they still chose frozen yogurt. It's funny. 
Yeah, I didn't think of that. If you could have any indulgence in the world. I think it's just the time, though. If you remember 2016, it was a or 17, it was a huge boom in that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's already like a dead trend because you really don't even see it now anymore. They're, they're still around, like, but there was a point where really we were less. seeing like frozen yogurt chains pop up. Like they weren't yeah. so much one off spots. Like all these chain places were opening in every mall and every strip mall. There was like a frozen yogurt place. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like around here, they would close and a new one would open up and it would close, but it would be the same building it would just be yep. a different Froyo place. But you know what I actually liked about that scene, too, is that was like the first thing Froyo. that Eleanor noticed was the fact that it was frozen yogurt everywhere. But what I really liked was Michael just being like, yeah, people like frozen yogurt. I don't really know what to tell you. And that was like <laughs> the first crack in him being like calm, showing no like emotion towards anything, can talk about you know, margarita mix for one and, and how you died and everything's very, hey, how's it going? It's all very flat. But that was the first time he's like, I don't know why people like frozen yogurt. <laughs> that was the first time he just kind of like dropped the shtick and was just like, yeah, I know it's weird. Yeah, I do like that you see a little bit of like he's, I mean, he's not a real person, right? Because nobody's a real person in this, but has a personality that's not all shiny. That was, a yeah, bit. the first crack in the armor was like right there. I was going to say the, the residents are real people, but I don't, we, we don't know as of yet if Michael is a real person or was a real person or if he's just one of We don't know. Yeah, we don't know any of Michael's backstory. I mean, like, I kind of got the vibe that the reason his name is Michael is maybe like an archangel Michael thing, even though they're straying away from specific religion, but there's obviously a lot of parallels towards, like, conventional Catholicism in this good place, bad place. Probably just a John Travolta reference. Yes, (laughs) yes. Great movie. If we ever spin off and do movies, Michael will be at the top of the list. Episode one. No, it won't. Right. <laughs> Phenomenon will be one, then Michael. <laughs> then Boy in the Plastic Bubble, Grease, et cetera, et cetera. Broken Arrow. Face off. <laughs> Wild Hogs. If We're just playing around the horn now. Yeah, we, did, we mentioned every, except for like my favorite movie of all time, Pulp Fiction. I killed my kid because I'm a Scientologist. Ooh. Oh, you didn't see Ooh. that one? That, that got dark. <laughs> <laughs> Real fast. <laughs> oh, his He's son named Jet? Yeah. You mean his son named Jet? Stop. Nope. Uh, nope. So there's, so there's, all right, so now one of my favorite actors of all time is ever going to do this show. Uh, he wasn't going to so, do it anyway. Unless Fred Durst was going to direct an episode, he wasn't going to be on it anyway. So, uh, all right, so we, oh, let's geez. cut to the, uh, there's now a video presentation that she has to sit down for. It's kind of like in the town hall, well, town center, right? So it's like there's a nice little kind of open area and everyone sits and they watch this presentation that's on like a large video screen. And it was like pretty much every everything being explained about like where you're at and how you got there. And it was like Michael was the narrator of this video, but it was very much like a first day at work type video. Was this like a good uh, way for you guys to better understand what was happening? Or I didn't like it because I think that, I mean, have anybody ever had to deal with one of those first day at work videos? Or yeah, the, the we're going to meet the whole team. Yeah. That is hell. That is not the good place. And the idea that you'd have to, that's how you deal with it, that you wouldn't have someone just walk up and be like, yo, here's a score. Here's a piece of paper. This is how you're going to go through it. Enjoy. The fact that you have to sit down in a group and deal with this whole presentation, it does seem very uh, opposite of a good place. Also, I mean, you have to consider that you're not starting a new job, though. This is life after death. So I imagine your need for information is probably pretty high. So if they're going to sit down and show me a two-minute video explaining as much as they can, then I'm probably going to want to watch it. Yeah, I mean, mean, you have all eternity to catch up. So as long as you can sit down through this, it's not the worst thing. I'll take a mailer. But you know what, though? The one thing about this video that I thought was super important to the episode is they're going over the point total because that's how you get into the good place or the bad places. Every single thing you've ever done in your life, picking up a penny off the ground, 
press the button before you cross the street. All that stuff has been tallied up. There are points, positive and negative, for every single action you do. And they make it very clear that it's very, very difficult to get into the good place. Which, to me, watching it, the first thing I thought of is you're seeing that and you go, well, how did Eleanor get in? If she's like drinking Lonely Girl margarita mix and they're saying only the cream of the crop people get in, like that was kind of the first crack. And I know like as the episode goes on, we find out a little bit more, but that did catch my attention really early. Gordon, you've never seen the show before. What do you you take of that point with, with Eleanor? With Eleanor, it was weird because I didn't, I didn't really put that much stock into the margarita mix because everybody drinks. So it wasn't like she was driving drunk or, you know, she didn't do anything. So drinking is a normal thing. Like the lonely, the lonely girl margarita was a normal thing. So the telling thing about it was that when you saw when they were saying like, pick up this or do this, look at how much the numbers were going up and down. They were only like how many decimal places. Yeah, very minuscule amount. Yeah. Yeah. So what's drinking gonna do what's drinking like lonely girl margarita gonna do yeah drinking at this this point too there's no there's nothing to say she's a bad person it's just she's a sad person like (laughs) she was just kind of a loner good people can drink margaritas yeah exactly so i mean because of that point score i didn't think that the, the drinking the margarita was that didn't set anything off i was more trying to follow like i said the overarching okay so they're here this is how they got here wow, she must have been a good person. That's what my mind was jumping to was, wow, okay. And then the soulmate thing, where they said that they matched you up with the soulmate and stuff, like I kind of had an inkling that they were going to introduce another character right after that. I didn't like that, Me personally. Too. I did not like the, the soulmate thing. It, I, if they were going to do it, then not now, first of all. Second of all, I don't think they had to do it at all. Yeah, like that that that's your paradise, your afterlife, eternity, everything. Why is that the number one priority? Like the first thing you're gonna Because you know what you're gonna sign your being paired up with your soulmate is and not knowing who they are is a nightmare, you know? Well, I think there's that trust, right? Because when you go into the situation like you you're to trust that like everything happens like everything that they're doing is accurate, right? Like you're already in your in the good place. So everything that's being done so to you is you're tailored to, you're, to you. Yeah, so why would you right. Why would you doubt that this person is anything less than your perfect match? And if you're with somebody, so if you were married or in a relationship or whatever, that throws a wrench in the gears. I one time asked somebody, I'm not going to say who it was, after a few too many drinks, a few too many lonely girl margaritas who had been married to a few different people. Well, then who are you married to? And they had passed away. It's like, well, when you go to heaven, quote unquote, then who are you married to? It opened up a can of worms that was not... What I want yeah, to that's a heavy question. I realized the someone... second those words left my mouth, I was like, oh, what did I just do to myself? But I just was interested in that. <laughs> okay, like, okay, well, in your good place. Like, it is a good is question. The one, right? Because I find all this religion stuff very interesting. It was a very bad few hours after that. Was there an answer? Yeah, Joe got punched. That was the answer, that <laughs> yeah. was the answer to the question. It was a fat lip. Yeah, it, there was no uh, definitive answer given and no... Um... Was it a, oh, it's okay, we're Mormons, like... Yeah, luckily the Amish don't listen to our podcast, so they'll never know that I said that to them. <laughs> and on a high note, uh, did any of you guys catch the sponsor of this video? It was, yeah, Happy Otters. Um, it's Otters holding, holding hands, hands. Oh, yeah. while they sleep. On their back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be fair, that will cheer anybody up anytime. It got me. I was like, oh, look at them. <laughs> yeah, me too. I was like, oh, 
Um, but to go back to your point though about the, um, if I could just circle back for a second to the to the soulmate thing, you're up there alone. The other thing too that we haven't discussed yet is that you're alone. You don't have your partner. You don't have a friend. You know that was the thing that more or less struck out with yeah. me. With the soulmate introduction, it's like, oh, okay, so I'm not going to be alone up here. And I think yeah, that, that's true. that goes back to why Eleanor was comfortable because they, they really do paint her as a loner. So she was like, all right, this is just a new place to do the same thing. Mm. When, you, mm. when, when your last moments on Earth were purchasing a bottle of Lonely Girl Margarita Mix for one, yeah, the thought that you now have a soulmate is probably pretty com- like comforting for you. Again, I feel like too much shade is getting thrown at this girl buying a, bo- a bottle of margarita. I'm, I'm with you, Joe. Yeah, everyone's going hard on this. I don't get it. It was called lo- like Lonely Girl Margarita Mix for one. It wasn't just called like like El Fiesta Margarita Mix. It wasn't something like happy. It was like made you were made to know that it was a sad moment. Yeah, that like name. It. That name coupled with her reaction to it was they did that on purpose to in <laughs> yeah, one sentence you... give you a better idea of her. I don't know what makes me think of this, but one time I bought a bottle of vodka because it was 50% of the calories, and I was like, oh, man, this is amazing. And I got out, and I made it maybe halfway through the parking lot, and I looked at it, and it was 50% of the calories because it was 50% the alcohol. So it was basically just <laughs> water with one shot, like a bottle of water with one shot of alcohol. And I had to sadly, like, turn my tail and walk back to the liquor store and be like, I think I bought the wrong one. <laughs> I need a second it. one. <laughs> Do they let you exchange liquor yeah i mean i was five you know 50 steps out of the parking lot i came back in i'm sure when i left they were like that guy just bought the half calorie half alcohol <laughs> vodka. what was he doing so they let me return it i'm sure they just made fun of me immediately after and from this we find out so eleanor and michael are walking through the park now and she's like very curious about the bad place and we find out some names of people that are currently in the bad place so we find out how exclusive it really is, like Mozart, Picasso, Elvis. He said basically every artist ever, every president except for Lincoln, Florence Nightingale. So this is a, you know, the good place is a very exclusive crew from what we're seeing. Wait, I thought those people were in the bad place. They were in the, that's what I'm saying. Those were all people in the bad place. Oh, right, right. Okay, yeah, yeah. I got confused. Lincoln is the only president that made it up top, which like, I guess is fair. And even he, I'm sure, has some skeletons in his closet. Oh, for sure. When he's not killing vampires, no. Professional wrestler. He invented the uh, the headlock, was it? I believe, or I the think full so. Nelson. One Maybe of it was those. the full Nelson. Yeah, he's Not in the, the wrestling hall of fame, like the the professional wrestling hall of fame. He's already more charismatic than Arn Anderson. So okay, all right, so, time for you to leave, sir. We, we, we currently so, he is too. So as we're finding out, <laughs> as we're finding out how exclusive it is, even Eleanor is kind of like, wow, that's like you know, like how did I make it in? Michael's like, well, of course you made it, and you were a lawyer who got innocent people off death row, so like, obviously you deserve it. So like, okay, that's now we know why she's there. Like, that was that's a pretty commendable thing. Like, I could see how yeah. that got you some big points. And then um, from there, we finally get to her house, which is this like brightly colored cottage next to the largest mansion you've ever seen in your life, full of clown and pictures. <laughs> because, yes, yeah. it, which is full of clown pictures because she loves clowns, and we find out that every house is tailored to your dream home, right? Because like it doesn't mean that everyone would have the same exact house because you're in your good place, so everything is exactly as you want it. Mm-hmm. So for is the Eleanor, style of her house, they refer to that as Icelandic primitive, I think. Yeah, something yes. like that. You know, so we see this is her dream house, right? The the lawyer who got people off of death row wants this nice little brightly colored cottage filled with weird clown pictures. That's her eternity now does that bring up to anybody does anybody have what their good place house would be 
your ideal? What is your afterlife? This is where you're going to hang out forever. Is it like the house from house party? Is it anything? Anybody have anything they would think of? That's, that's the first thing. Wait, that's the of, first like, thing that comes to mind. Like, man, if you had a dream house, house, like party. the house from house party, which isn't even like an extreme. No, you house. know the first thing I thought of. <laughs> I would live in Tower One of World Trade Center all by myself. That's what my good place place is. I'm asking you guys what you think your good place place is. Um, I I think I wanted a house. We talked. We talked. Um, what was it? Episode three. We did home improvement and any like all those man kitchen, the man's bathroom all seemed like the coolest things in the world to me so oh, if i had yeah. those things in my house and then like sprinkling a little bit of like richie rich remember like you have a mcdonald's in your house but like sub that with like a taco bell if you put like a taco bell in my house in a home theater in a decent pool in like the man's kitchen i want to live in the house from blank check this is actually weird because one of my biggest dreams is like it's it goes to like your like endless money dream you want to live in a bouncy house i want to live in a bouncy house no, I wanted to buy and, you know, build a basically a cul-de-sac of houses, but each house is from a different sitcom. So, like, one house is, like, the full, you know, full house house, and, like, that's where you sleep or whatever. And then you can have, you know, any kind of, and then I could build the Cheers bar and, like, put people in it to work there, and then I could go across the street to the Cheers bar. And then, but they're all identical to the sets, and that's where mm. I would want to live. I'm with Nick on this one. That rules. Can I live in your neighborhood? Sure. You, you just got to pick a house. house. Yeah, you live with the Connors. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally fine with that. Gordo, any thoughts? I don't think you uh, chimed in on that one. Gordo's never seen a sitcom until five weeks ago, <laughs> so it's going to be hard for him to pick. No, if I actually had to pick, I would pick the spaceship from Red Dwarf. Which I plan on doing on this show eventually. Oh, yeah. yeah I have Red Dwarf Yeah, we haven't got too. to that yet, but... I would I would pick that. Just having the whole the whole spaceship and floating around in space, I think that would be cool. It's such a shitty place. Why would you want to live there? Because it'd just be me. Who gives a shit? I can hey, do yeah, whatever gonna, I want. You're gonna there. live next door in your good place, though. So. Yeah, I'm just floating around in space, man. Looking also, at the stuff. Also, uh, what we saw in the house, which I thought was really cool, is there's like a essentially like a DVR that plays every memory you ever had. That's super creepy. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'd like yeah, that. I don't want that. Now, I wonder, is that is that a feature of the house, or is that Michael's powers? No, I think that's a feature of the good place itself. Each individual house, you can watch okay. your own memories. It's not like you watch everybody's memories. You watch just your own, so it's not creepy. It's like stuff that you encountered. Yeah, but wouldn't that make you... But again, this goes back to, to that other question that this episode doesn't answer is, what does that do to you? Like, well, is it that depends. Like, are, a, like, uh, are you only using it to watch like POV sex tapes of yourself? Like, <laughs> it'd be very. So that's where Jay went right away. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> to no one's surprise. <laughs> no, that's not where I I went. I was thinking like you know you see your wedding or you see you know births yeah, I mean, that, or that you see good. Uh, you I, know, I, I want to circle back to this later, but like with that something like that, Eleanor would have to be really careful with those memories that she avoids mirrors, not to. Until we get to that, you know? But. Yeah, I feel like watching that, though, you'll end up in a very Clark Griswold in the attic in Christmas Vacation scenario where you're watching these old memories and it just <laughs> clearly messes with you. What was, you the, fall through the, what was the, the memory route. that he was showing her for the example? It was something she about, was, like, kids overseas. She was in the UK, U- Ukraine, like, helping, like, poor kids out or something Yeah, it was, like, like a helping out underprivileged children. Yeah, and he like was like, Doctors oh, yeah, Without Borders type of thing, but she wasn't a doctor. Yeah, and he was like, this got you a lot of points. And she's, you know, and that's kind of where I thought something was 
kind of. Yeah, at, the, at this point, you know something's up. She's selling it with her face, you know, faking yeah, it, I mean, making she, it. But she wasn't being she... super obvious, but I think you could tell something was off at this point. Like, and th- these things don't even coincide, right? Like, she's a lawyer, and then she's also doing this on the side, like, going and, like, helping out kids. Like, And this is the first time we see an, an additional character, like, get introduced to the story that, like, actually has, like, a speaking role other than we saw people, like, walking through the town. So uh, mm-hmm. her soulmate, Chidi, comes in. Yeah, so Chidi comes in. I like this, too, because he's, I would say, maybe younger than her. He's, like, a younger, good-looking... I, I didn't get that. I, I thought they were the same age. Yeah, I did, too. I didn't really think it didn't flag my like it did, wasn't something I thought about. So I guess it wasn't so different that I, I don't think drastically, it. but like, you know, young dude looks like he's pretty muscular, like fairly like good looking dude, or whatever comes in. But they immediately also don't seem like they should get along. And I don't know why that is. Yeah, well, they sit down and they try to get to know each other because they're like, all right, well, we're soulmates. We I guess we should talk. And Chidi was born in Nigeria, but like due to like work, he spends his entire life traveling the world and. And that's when Eleanor is like, well, I was born in Phoenix and then I moved to Tempe for a little while and then I went back to Phoenix. So you're kind of yeah. like these two are soulmates. Like he's like a world traveler from Nigeria and she just like spent her whole life in the desert. Yeah. And what I also like, too, is when she was like, oh, wait, you speak English. And he's like, no, 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 it just translates to you. So you start to get kind of more of the meta world and how that's set up. And he's like, you know, I speak French, but it translates whatever I'm saying into a language you understand. And this realization vie. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, Muslim. That J is not French. That's one of those things, though, that, like, that's a perfect example of, like, what would the afterlife, what should it be like, right? Anybody can speak to each other. You hear what's comfortable and easy to understand for you. Like, a little thing in the writing that you're like, oh, let's It's the clever little work. things that they bring up that eliminates a million questions down the road. Yeah, and again, I think that just like with the with the video, just like when he first explained her death and with this, they do a great job writing. These little, like, big questions that you would have with your, like, soulmate and what happens with family and so forth and so on. They do a great job of simplistically writing it off, but it's enough to just go, oh, okay, yeah, well, that makes sense. They get out ahead. They get out ahead of it quickly. Yeah. What was what was Chidi's job? He was an ethics professor or an ethics and moral philosopher. Yeah. Professor of ethics and moral philosophy. And it's like stuff we can get into and like not to get too deep into it. Right. But like a lot of things we talk about like watching your memories and stuff yeah there's going to be elements of seeing loved ones that you don't get to see anymore at least until they might show up down the road and like i guess no matter what your forever is what your beliefs are there's you know those questions and issues could arise right because like obviously there's no perfect scenario where you leave this realm and go to the next and all your friends and family are there with you so it's just kind of like this is a good situation that you're in and everyone's generally happy and we set you up with someone that you're going to like but I think during this conversation, too, is where we get a very big reveal. This is when Eleanor finally says to Chidi, I need to tell you something. You have to promise that you have my back no matter what. And she's like, I'm not supposed to be here. And so any suspicion you had up until this moment is confirmed. She's like, this is this is those are not my memories. That was not my job. I'm they, I'm not the right person. I, that was the moment that that was what immediately like made me love the show right off the you know with the with the writing and everything like that that moment was like wow okay she made it very clear somebody fucked yeah. up <laughs> yeah yeah and then the, yeah with the swearing that you can't swear and so it was like bullshit and, and like that you know, got she's... me every time yep. every time they call back to it throughout the episode every time she attempts to swear and and it's edited into a way that she says something a little more wholesome every time it made me laugh. <laughs> My favorite one was she says she says yeah. ash hole, which I just think is <laughs> yeah. funnier than. But asshole. you know, I meant ash hole. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm not really saying that, that's actual. She tried to clarify as if she thought by trying to say it again, it would work. The funny thing, too, is is how much she, from the point at which she tells Chidi the deal, she completely devolves because yeah. she she was putting on an act for Michael. And I think that was part of, like, because we discussed her excitement when she saw Chidi. And she was like, oh, okay, you know, my soulmate. That was just part of her act, I think, because she's, like, she's dying inside. She knows she's not supposed to be there. And now Michael's gone. It's just her and Chidi. He explains everything, or she explains everything. And now she's kind of just free to be her normal self. And she's already let go of that fake person she was for five minutes. Yeah, well, you can't tell the guy in charge you're not supposed to be there because he will take you out of there. So you at least have a confidant now that you think you can at least tell like she doesn't necessarily believe that that's her soulmate because she knows that she's not the right person for that spot so she probably acknowledges that part of it but needs yeah needs somebody that she can rely on and and tell the truth to and try to make a plan with have they gotten to the bad part yet the bad place yet and why they can't talk about it or is that later no that's so that's about to come up that's that's coming up almost immediately from where we're at now though okay this is where they show where her job was when she worked in sales. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's, with, that's uh, what we see Seth next. Myers. So it's... Uh, like not not out... even is she not supposed to be there, but like she's like an awful person. <laughs> like she's not like... Yeah. She's not an okay person that... Yeah, she's a salesman, and which is more like a, she's a telemarketer who sells old people fake medicine. That's like... That's her job. <laughs> and like Chidi's like, oh my God. And like, so your job was to defraud the sick and elderly. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess. But she was pressed. But I was top salesman. <laughs> like, she so said for four years. And that's somehow worse. You know that, right? <laughs> yeah. Also, Seth Morris, not Seth Myers. Not Seth Myers. No. Seth Morris yeah. is her boss, who's amazing. <laughs> and uh, so now they're at one of the many, many Froyo places. And they're like, okay, so let's see how we can resolve this. And Chidi thinks maybe that this is a test. Like Michael is testing you to see if you deserve to be here. Just tell him it's a mistake. And then he's going to know that it always was. And that's like your reward is you get to be here. That makes sense. That makes sense. Like if, not it, a bad if it's a theory. test. It, yeah. No, no. It's not a bad theory at all. No. And that's where you meet Janet, right? Because Janet. now they bring up yes. how, to, how to test this. Let's find out about the afterlife. And you hear the audio clip of what's happening currently. Right. So to explain Janet real quick, though, Janet is like if Siri was in human form. So Chidi just calls for Janet and then, boop, she just pops up and she's there to answer any question you have about absolutely anything. Except for the bad place. But the clip she plays of the bad place is essentially (laughs) just a modern version of that scene in Dirty Work. Because it's all just (laughs) screaming and chainsaws. (laughs) Yeah. So funny. I love how you can just hear faintly. Um, why does the bear have two mouths? You know, oh my God, why does the bear have two mouths? Like yeah. that, that cracked me up. So again, it's like the bad place isn't hell, as uh, Michael tells him. There's no heaven and hell, but it kind of sounds like what we imagined hell to be. Right. And uh, what I also liked is when Eleanor finds out that she can ask Janet anything, her first question is about like a dude that used to live near her to find out if he was actually gay or lying to her. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, no, he wasn't gay. Oh, that's fine. I wasn't interested anyways. Yes, you were. that's a great precedent for how that character is going to be like you know you're going to love that character on the show because of that sort of deadpan total exactly yeah it's very matter of fact and like she has like a bubbly personality so i don't want to say she's like completely deadpan because she has personality in what she says but there's no weight behind anything she tells you it's all just she's meant to sound upbeat and she will deliver any good or bad news in that same upbeat tone so chidi's torn because he's not a dishonest guy you know, he's a teacher of ethics and morals. 
but he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to, like, he wants to help her still, but he doesn't want to, like, be in uh, this eternal lie. It's, it's, he's very torn. This is also where you get, like, a, another hint that maybe things aren't what they seem, because he's like, how do I have a stomachache in Right. That paradise. was another, like, giant flag, and it's, like, one of these things that <laughs> yeah. as the episode yeah. builds up, like, as he calls attention to it, he's like, why do I have a stomachache in, you know, this perfect utopia, as he, as he called it? And that's when, like, uh, they say something about, like, maybe we should say something to Michael. He, because he wants to know why he has a stomachache. And that's when Michael's like, tell Michael what? And he shows up with the neighbors that live in this giant mansion, which is uh, Tahini and Janyu. Is that what Janyu. Is Tahani and Janyu. Yeah, Janyu. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Tahani is very, like, condescending as she's telling Eleanor how much she loves her tiny house. She's posh. <laughs> She's yes. ranting on about how much she loves it and how it's so small and adorable, but like you can tell she thinks it's like terrible and disgusting. Yeah. And then she yeah, booped like her dog. on the nose and she's like, Did you just boot me? <laughs> yeah. You gotta appreciate a good booping. Yeah, and we find out uh John Yu is he's a monk who made a vow of silence. So um he's a non speaker. He's just he's with this debutante type. She's very I don't know like much about m- monking, being a monk, Tony Shaloub life. But if you make a <laughs> vow of silence, is that only for the earth? Like, you think if you made a vow of silence as a monk that you were like, hey, you're in the good place, you'd be like, fuck, holy yeah. shit, I can Bortles. say something again. You did it. You were silent your whole life. Now you get to talk. Yeah. Right. Like, that shouldn't yeah. carry over to the afterlife. I, I think that that, I mean, obviously events down the line also give, I don't know what word I'm looking for, but they kind of give foreshadowing to something like that that you, some, it's not what it appears to be. Because clearly these two also don't look like their soulmates either. It seems like a weird pairing for sure. Yeah. And uh, they are throwing a party. So they're inviting them to a party that they're hosting that night, which is the next scene that we get into. And Chidi's like, he's talking to Eleanor. He's like, just tell me anything good you've ever done in your life to make me feel better about helping you. Like, give me just a shred of something <laughs> so I know that I'm helping someone who's not completely evil. And she has nothing. She got back to the, the, the what that cut into was her thinking about the day before she died. And I, I know for a fact that this scene made Gordo and Nick both lose it because the guy it goes, <laughs> do you have a second to help out the environment? And she goes, do you have a second to eat my farts? <laughs> <laughs> And then accuse him of Love being it. horny for the environment. <laughs> that was the line that got me. If you're so horny for the environment, you pick it up. <laughs> Gotta love a good fart joke thrown in there. I yeah, won't ever not don't. laugh at that. You don't farts. have to love one, but you guys really do. <laughs> Are you going to shame me for liking fart jokes, Joe? No shame, especially when it's a cute girl saying it. Fucking 9-11 weirdo <laughs> making fun of my fart jokes. Nick's a fart truther. <laughs> <laughs> George Bush made me fart. I'm not the only imperfect person here she's like not everyone here is absolutely perfect and then we cut to them talking to a multiple like other people at the party who are all the most extreme cases of perfect people like you've ever encountered in your life the one that killed me was i forget what the body part was it was like you can't live with two livers or whatever, oh, it's like two, two kidneys, kidneys. <laughs> like oh, you can't give them both kidneys because then you'll die it's like he's a nice person i met him five minutes ago that's such an extreme <laughs> just extreme joke that just fucking destroyed me i laughed so hard at that 
It's so stupidly absurd. I love that humor. I love that she says, like, I'm not the only perfect one. There's a couple fatties here. Like, <laughs> Did you say chunkers or chunks? Yeah. Chunkers. Chunkers. Something like that. She hasn't fully grasped, like, how she doesn't even understand that part of her is super shitty, right? Like, she still says these things that she doesn't realize are not things you should be saying. Yeah, it doesn't it, it doesn't click with her. She she does she's not self aware in that way. She I think that happens with everybody though, right? Like none of us are perfect people, but it's very difficult to acknowledge when you're at fault. And maybe I'm the prime example, right? Because I, I find myself in arguments with people night and day all the time and I just think it's the world, but then there's a point we have to go, but I'm arguing with everybody at all point <laughs> at all points of the day. It's probably yeah. a little bit me. So she probably just thinks the whole world is just dumb and she's, you know, She's in a world by herself. They just aren't caught up to her yet. And uh, so Eleanor walks off. She's about to go to the bar because now she's frustrated because everybody's so perfect. And Michael tells her that, or not Michael tells her, Michael has an announcement for, for the party. This is where we find out that this is um, the very first neighborhood that Michael got to design completely on his own. So everyone applauds that. Eleanor uh, steals some shrimp and tells Chidi how much she doesn't like tahini and just starts making fun of her, which I thought was pretty good. Tahani? Yeah, tahani. Yeah, tahini is a food product made out of sesame seeds. Tahani is. You can a... name your kids whatever you want, by the way. Her oh, name might be Tahani, but that doesn't mean that you can't name your kid Tahini. You can also name your In kid this sesame. case, she didn't, but yeah. I might do. <laughs> sesame. Sesame Sutton. <laughs> it's a great name. So she starts making fun of her, and she's using like the accent. And actually, I thought this was a good call too, because while she's getting mad, she's like, "And how does she have a British accent? You're supposed to be able to hear everybody in there, like in your language. Why do I hear an accent? She's definitely faking it." I was like, "That's kind of a good pickup yeah. for her to, to acknowledge that." Yeah, I also did probably too. a good workaround because in real life she has that accent, and they're like, "How do we explain this on the show? If everyone's supposed to hear everything in their native tongue, like how does this girl have an accent?" Yeah, yeah I thought it was a great she wants plot. It. Yeah, it was, it was a nice little way to maybe acknowledge that and, and not have you question it in a, in a situation like this where we're analyzing a show scene for scene to be like, wait, why does she, why do we have that accent? Like, something's wrong. Do you think she tried to not have an accent in, like, the original pilot? Like, they're like, yeah, try to give us a normal, yeah, try to give us an American accent. No, we've already like established a normal past first episodes. There. Try to give us a normal voice, yeah. you know, an American normal voice. Well, here in America, yeah. <laughs> Try to give us an American you know accent. What I meant. We've established in the past, though, that um, British people are fantastic at doing accents. So yeah, British people and Australians the best at accents. And uh, what does uh, Eleanor also refer to as like a cartoon giraffe? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which yes. comes up later. Yeah, and then yeah, so, um, so that's when she sort of loses it, right? This is when she talks about how there should be a medium place, which I love. A medium place like Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if we're going back to the sort of you know broader conversation of a good place and a bad place it does make sense there should be a medium place right no it does yeah it it does perfect einstein goes one place hitler goes one place we go another right it just seems to make sense that we wouldn't be in either category of the others you know yeah because when you watch the good place like i'm not of the thought that like yeah i deserve to be there (laughs) like i don't i didn't rack up enough points for this but like what what do my tickets get me you know what i mean like we're redeeming it right like you're at the token booth at dave and buster's like so I don't get the good place, but do I get something? Like, yeah, you get this kazoo and some Jolly Ranchers. As long as they're Cherry Jolly Ranchers. I love a kazoo. I'm all in. I don't... Uh, wait, no. Quick tangent. Cherry's your favorite Jolly Rancher? Absolute favorite. The only one I'll eat. Watermelon for me. Yeah, watermelon for me, too. No, well, green, that's good to know. What green, about you? green apple. Nobody likes green apple. You're the well, worst. I buy the bags of them, and I only eat the cherries, so next time I buy a bag, You can I'll just mail me all the green apple ones, yeah. 
Also, no, if anybody wants that... 50,000 I'm going to send you the green... shitty grape ones. I've never put a Jolly green... Rancher in my mouth and been like, ew, though. Like, they're all like... No, but grape, grape, grape's not good. <laughs> grape is not good. It's not bad. You'll... It, if you like... No, I, I a situation like grape, where a grape everything. One. Makes me think of Dimatap. I love Dimatap. When I was a kid, that was the best. Jay, you honestly liked Dimatap as a kid? That's... As a, speaks yeah, that was like... That was the volumes. only good part about being sick was you got to have Dimatap. Okay, I don't know you got about. to. Yeah, eggplant pizza. Here we are. Like this is where you start. This is where you end. This I'm is. I'm gonna why. go watch Caveman and drink my Dimatap. <laughs> I would be drinking a Moxie. I wouldn't be drinking Dimatap. I'm an adult who's not sick right now. Oh good lord! Yeah, that's right. We you should... do drink Moxie. Yeah. And if Moxie would like to sponsor us, Illinois is getting like blasted, drunk in, in uh, the good place. Too. Yeah, and she said, and this is another thing when it comes down to like not being like aware of herself, like. What she'd said right after all that was like, I'm going to go upstairs and steal gold stuff. It's like, for what? Yeah, money has no value. What, there. What it just makes her it? feel better. There's no yeah. pawn shop in the good place you can go get rid of the you know gold uh, candlesticks or whatever. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to steal a gold candlestick and just sneak it in your drawer and hope that Michael never finds it? Like, what's the, like, what's the point of that? But that, that's Unless he's trying to play works. find the dildo and he finds the candlestick by accident. I'm sorry? You know, the game, <laughs> we, we've played find the dildo before. Nope. Okay, so we're gonna you know, move on. We're not on. going into that, Joe. We're gonna move on. Uh, so, so now we're gonna cut. So now we're gonna cut to back home, where um, you know, she hates her house, but she snuck a bunch of shrimp in her bra to take home with her, and she's ranting on about how, how she doesn't, how she doesn't like the house, that she's expelling all this shrimp from her bra, which was like, again, it's the afterlife. You could have just why taken all the shrimp stairs? you wanted. Right? Also, to be fair, why aren't there stairs? <laughs> This is not her house. house. Like the the real person who's supposed to be there is supposed to win. Yeah, it doesn't want the stairs. Also, is this where she says, uh, "Hello, creepy house. I hate hello clown yeah. paintings." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hello, million clown paintings. <laughs> and like, I think Chidi seems pretty disappointed at this point because he knows like his eternity is now like tainted forever. Yeah. Now he has to think his eternity is trying to is tied to dealing to with this, her. Yeah. Dealing yeah. with her and trying to make her feel better. And because she's like already he's a like and he's because it's like an ethics thing, right? Like like it's also embedded in him to help. But yeah. now he has to help someone who's going to ruin his eternity. And then right, that that led into my my favorite joke though. After he puts her to bed and he sh- he shuts the thing and there's the giant clown picture on the door. Yeah. And he goes, oh, that's terrifying. Yeah. Is that, uh, yeah. that like, Palaccio, the sad clown, I believe? It's just, just his reaction is my favorite cheaty line throughout the whole show. <laughs> that's terrifying. Yeah, and it plays like the, the, the clown music, too, as, <laughs> as it closes. And Eleanor then, um, after that scene, it kind of cuts a little bit further into the night where Eleanor wakes up to like the sound of lightning, where you go, like, lightning in the good place. And she looks outside. Everything is in absolute chaos. And it looks like some crazy storm is rolling through in an area that should never get anything but imperfect weather. So something's wrong, right? There's some sort of a glitch going on. And then you see everybody's wearing the same like blue and yellow zigzag print, but Eleanor, which uh, she then she acknowledges when she gets out there and she starts talking to Cheaty. Yes, you see what uh, giant flying shrimp. Uh, You see the uh, giraffe they mentioned. You see um, giant ladybug. Yep, giant ladybug. I'm trying to remember what was a the ladybug. What was the ladybug a, a callback to? Because everything else was tied to her. I, I don't know that one. I'm I don't think that was tied back thing. to anything. I think it was just or called back rather. I think that was just a very creepy thing to have. Okay, because yeah, everything else just about like we said, the giraffe, the shrimp, all that stuff was very specifically tied into things she was doing from right before. What about the the way that people were dressed in those zigzag? Was that a callback to anything? 
Because I didn't see. Not specifically. I think it was just to make it abundantly clear that everyone was kind of in the same situation. But for some reason, she didn't have that outfit. So they needed something very loud to be like, this is this. That was well done, too, because I noticed it right away. Also, back to the. What are they wearing? (laughs) Back to the ladybug. Michael says that every blade of grass and every ladybug is designed. Specifically, oh, for them. Yeah. Okay. oh okay. good, good, good work, it. bud. Good work. Mm. And we also had Ariana Grande playing because I think she mentioned Ariana Grande like right before in her rant. Yeah, because she can't say Chidi's name. Chidi Ariana oh, Grande. Yeah. <laughs> so everything's very tied in specifically to everything Eleanor has encountered since entering the good place. So this, this right here, this is my first real issue with the episode. This is where I think the logical stopping point should have been. She looks outside. Everything is going crazy, and she's like, oh, what's happening? And then you cut, and then you think, oh, I want to see the next episode because that's like a fun cliffhanger or something weird Oh, that happened. makes sense, yeah. And then they give it like two or three more minutes that just seem unnecessary after that, where they like just keep hammering home the thing you already knew, where it's like, well, you're wearing the pajamas, well, this and that. I think if they just ended it, if I had one real gripe with this episode, it was that that's where I think it should have ended. No, it still ended on a cliffhanger, though. You still got your sequel bait. Yeah, no, you still I got it. I... They did, but I, I definitely see Joe's point because, to be honest, yeah, after what we just talked about, that's all that really happened was just a little more conversation. The only other really significant thing that happened was Eleanor acknowledging, like, hey, maybe I'm not perfect. Cheaty, can you please teach me ethics? Like, that was the only real thing. Yeah, which I think could have been totally fine for the first scene. Of they the could have picked up episode. on the second episode and then yeah. started right there with her acknowledging that she needs to change because this is her fault. Yeah. Especially if you did it a way where they used to, they've done shows a lot where you'll do a season premiere where you do the pilot and episode one sort of back to back. Where there's not even really a commercial break. It sort of cuts for a second and then it goes right back in and it's, hey, Chidi, teach me how to be better. I think when you pull them apart later, it makes more sense to have that episode just end on like, oh, giant ladybugs. That's terrifying. No, I disagree. I think this was better because now, like, that would have been like a what the fuck moment, but instead she went out and it, it they established that her being there is not only like against the rules, but now it's ruining things for everyone else and slowly destroying this utopia. Right, yeah. So it, it further builds it up and it just ends there, leading to like, what's she going to do next episode? Does she, you know, do yeah, the right I mean, thing? Yeah, I guess it's, a, it's a toss up. Like, I can see it going either way. I, yeah, I, I mean, kind of side with, for sure. I think I side with Joe a little bit because I never thought about it, but I did think that it ended on kind of a weird note with like just Michael trying to knock on the door and Cheaty have like the show ends on Cheaty having to make a decision more than it did about like Eleanor. So I do think that maybe. If it was cut a little bit different and it was more like an Eleanor discovery to end the episode may have been the better route, but no, um, because the ending of the episode isn't so much Michael trying to get in. It's him saying, everybody outside, we have an emergency meeting. You know, that's kind of, that's the cliffhanger. And then it ends and then it ends. So, I mean, you, you already have the setup right there. You or or that's when Michael says it. Then she says to Chidi, can you teach me ethics? That's where it ends. That's yeah, it. That, that's set up the actual premise of the yeah. show. Like, yeah, that set it up. You end, you end on that. Yep, and that's where it ended. Well, I then, enjoyed yeah. that. Agree to so, disagree. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's splitting hairs, oh, and at you. the end of the day, yeah. the episode's made. So you know, so that's the that's the whole episode. So we've covered it all. Let's just um get right to it. And let's go around and make our final determination if this is a show that we would greenlight or cancel based on just this first episode. Gordo, I'm going to start with you. Greenlight. This is one of the, this show was the hardest to turn off episode two. I didn't watch it, um, but 
this show itself left me on such a cliffhanger when we're done recording. I'm going to go back and watch episode two just because I'm that curious as to what happened and see the rest of the setup. I don't know what happens in the rest of the show because I said I'd never watched it, but I want to see episode two and that's good enough for me. That's good enough for a green light for me. Nick. Uh, green light. I love like the I like this big mysterious epic world that they built. There's already um, an enticing reason to keep watching as far as storyline goes. I want to see what the deal is. Is she going to stay? Are they going to send her to the bad place? Um, the characters that they've already introduced, which in the grand scheme haven't been that many, three or four, if you count Janet, and they're all funny. Like, I just want to keep seeing it happen. So, yeah, green light, 100%. Ferg? I fucking love this show, all right? Um, green light, 100%. You know, I watch a lot of, like, dark shows and stuff. The second I watch this, like, it's for, for a change, something wholesome, even though it's, like, there's something sinister behind it. But every second I'm watching this show, I'm feeling good. And I don't know. I just, I enjoyed it. They, you know, they get you with the sequel bait. So it's kind of hard to cancel a show that leaves you on a cliffhanger, you know? So, you know, green light, 100%. Joe? I was torn. This is one of the hardest ones we've done to sort of distance yourself from the other episodes of it. I don't necessarily Agreed. think this is the greatest pilot coming back to it, watching it again. I think I had a lot of questions and a lot of weird things that obviously get figured out. But talking about it with a bunch of people and then with one person who's never seen it and to what Gordo said about how badly he wanted to watch the next one, I was still there where I was like, I, I know this will get really, really enjoyable. So I, I'd say green light just because it's hard to say no. There's There's too much good to override the stuff that bothers me. Yeah, and um, for me, I'm just going to round it out with everyone else, and I'm going to give it a green light as well. And I think what it comes down to is, you know, when I, I did watch this whole series already pretty recently, for whatever reason, it didn't catch my eye when it first came out. I don't know why it escaped me. And then I just had this trust in, like, uh, it being a Michael Shear show. So I'm like, I'm probably going to like it. I've liked everything else he's done, so why wouldn't I like this? And I did find when I watched it from episode one, I couldn't turn it off in my initial watching of it. Now going back again, watched episode one, jokes still landed with me. I still found them funny. I still wanted to continue watching right after. I think it's a great cast. It's a really light, fun energy. And I just think everything really hit. Are there things about it that they could have done a little different? Sure. Are there are little holes here and there. Sure. And when you're tackling like an afterlife type topic, that's going to happen. It's almost unavoidable. But overall, I think the show is great. So that's a that's a five for five from us. That's a perfect, uh, perfect score. Green light. Congratulations to the good place. You're going to live on for episode two. That's all we have for this episode, guys. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We want to continue to ask you guys, when you have a chance, if you can subscribe, rate, review, do everything, follow us on all our social medias. You can find that all at s1e1pod.com. S1e1pod is the name on most of our social media accounts. Look us up, spread the word, let people know. Thank you so much, and we will catch you next week. Froyo. Asshole. <laughs>